Counterfeit God A History of Corpus by Avon Fur Verunt In those moments after waking, it must have been apparent to Vilta that her attempt to stop Corpus coming into existence had failed. It must have taken all of her will to set herself and her parish to a new purpose, to find a way to stop the feigned remnant. That new purpose led them to Senya, to a town called Eulogy. It was a land touched with gloom, where secrets were buried under sheets of ivy. They sought to find Sarata Page, one of those who had birthed the Not Remnant. But meanwhile, Corpus did not lie idle. It had begun to proliferate outwards from Khan Veskal, folded the power claimed from slumber and strail into its hole. By spore and ice wind and tunnel, it spread. In the Sharrow, it found easy pickings. The land was defenceless after its remnant's murder. Now in control of Strail's frozen wake, Corpus stretched itself easily across the territory. Then it turned east, began to track those who had eluded it in the caves, the ones that had turned its own powers against it. It put its newfound strength to the test against Senya, and while its remnant Doya did its best to hold back Corpus's fury, its victory seemed an inevitability. Welcome to these Flimsy Rituals, a narrative-focused role-playing podcast telling small stories in big worlds. Today, we're going camping. Um, so joining me today on this camping trip is Elizabeth Simones. Hi, I'm Ziz. You can find me on Twitter at Games. Ryan Evans. Hi, I'm Ryan, and you can find me on Twitter at BrainXray. Thryn Henderson. Hi, I'm Thryn, and you can find me at Thayrin. And Steve Martin. Did you just forget my name? <laughs> Hi, I'm Steve, and uh, I'm on Twitter at purple underscore Steve. No, it's just being dramatic. Um, and you can follow the show on Twitter at Blimsy Rituals. Introduce yourself, Adam. Oh, yeah. I am the host <laughs> of this show, Adam Dixon, and you can follow me on Twitter at, at T. Dixon. Okay, so I think where we left off last time is we were on the camping trip and kind of closed on a scene around the campfire with everyone like sharing a meal, cuddling around for warmth, and a group of people, namely Charla, Corin, and Ven, starting to work out how they can sort of sneak away and have this, I guess, confrontation encounter with Strail. Um and I think like I'd maybe like to like skip over that scene, but maybe Charla, if you wanted to say how you managed to sneak away from the campfire, that'd be really interesting. And I know you've got uh, a new move, um, which is Unthreatening, which is when you want to hide, sneak, or otherwise remove attention from yourself, roll. On a 10 plus, do it. On a 7 to 9, you do it, but something else goes wrong. So maybe if you wanted to give like an overview of like how you managed to get to like a moment in which it's just the three of you, or the three of you and whoever else you want to have involved, and then we will roll and see how well you did doing it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um... Personally, I was planning on somehow distracting Briss and going, Ah, oh, Briss, you're really good at doing this thing. Can you go do this thing for a longish period of time in that direction while everyone else takes part in something? And please take this tiny child. Like, literally everyone else? 
Well, we've got who? Who do we have here? We've got Vend's. I guess I, Chala doesn't know Belka that well, but Belka's cool with the Weaver. And we've also got Fenrir as well. Yes. No. Yeah. That, that, that was with like, and take this tiny child with you. I can actually imagine that if Vens just wandered off, Briz wouldn't give a flying fuck right now. <laughs> just literally no. straight away <laughs> from camp. <laughs> I think I think Briz would be quite happy. It's like, oh, finally. Yep. <laughs> I mean, from past experience, if you'd like Briss to leave you alone, the most efficient method would be to explicitly ask her to hang out with you. <laughs> this, is, this is true, but I don't think Chala would think of that. The hard part is how does Chala get multiple people away, especially because I think Chala knows enough about interpersonal relationships to know that there's something going on between Benz and Briss, but I'm going to ignore that because however... Vend does that thing is fine. So I think we will go for um I mean an option is always waiting until like nighttime when everyone else is asleep. I think it would happen a little bit sooner. So my my thinking is that Chala would use kind of a oh, I'm gonna go do that thing that you just showed us how to do, and we will go and do that thing and then come back. Like the classic, we'll go grab kindling for the fire. Okay, yeah. At a moment when Briss is not paying attention. Yeah, like at a moment where Briss is kind of doing a thing like herself and you're like, okay, cool, I'm going to do this because Briss isn't really going to think about it. Yeah, it's like, oh, okay, Briss, I'm going to go do this thing. And Briss will just kind of rumble grumpily and it'll be fine. And is this uh, you and Corin doing this? Uh, you, Corin and Vens? It's me and Corin. And Vend is on his own to kind of pick up on the cue. Okay, yeah. Uh, so, um, how are you feeling right now? Nervous. Um, I don't... This is a confrontation that Chala is concerned about. So I guess scared. Okay. Um, do you want to make your roll? Yes, I do. One second. The double one. <laughs> <laughs> Was that double one? Yes, it was. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh. I got plus two, so oh. it's it's a, a, a four. This does not play out as um, sneakily as expected. Yeah. You um... step on every twig and branch <laughs> that you can find. Briss, I'm suddenly possessed by a remnant and I have to go. Oh, wait, no. I'm going to go gather twigs. Bye. <laughs> wait, what? 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 <laughs> okay, see, so Mark XP. So I think it happens, you know. Um, so you might XP for the failure, um, but I think something goes wrong when you get away. I, I think the thing is here that, like, not that Briss notices, but you're going to find some trouble. Good. As I go away to talk to the remnant that I share this physical form with at the moment. No biggie. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> oh, no. What? I just spiked. I spiked and scared. Oh no. Wow. So you mark XP for that as well, because of your special move? Good. Well. Okay, um, should we go over spiking first? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, so because of your move, you do get the XP for that, so you should have two XP, one for failing the roll and one for spiking. Mm -hmm. So when you mark the fifth bubble in an emotion, all of the other modifiers change, and the state that the fifth bubble was marked in becomes a plus one, and all of us are locked in at minus two. Oh no. So, 
when you do another move in the future, you've got a choice. You can keep using the spiked out emotion, in which case um, you put the state down by one each time, so like you slowly remove those boxes, um, and you roll it at plus one. Uh, once you get to zero in scared, that you can roll normally again, but until then you're nervous, and your character should be roleplayed that way as well, I guess. I mean, that does seem fine for the next scene, but oh no. Yes. Or you can use a different state at minus two, and if you do so, you erase all emotion spikes in a spiked out state, and you mark an emotion in the state that you rolled. So, like, it would it would clear out all of your scared, um, but you'd be rolling at minus two. I'd also like to point out that I'm one away from spiking in peaceful. Okay. So, uh, yeah, good. I think this is sort of the thing with your character, right? Like, it is. It's well because I've got the hot-headed skill, which means that I only have four boxes, so I spike easier than anyone else. Yeah. Okay. Um. So let's color this scene a little bit. Um. I imagine the scene is you all gathered together somewhere, maybe like alongside a small stream or something like that, like not too far from where you've camped, but far enough away to not be overheard or noticed. There are probably some of the trees that have like the spirits in them and you can hear them whispering. Um, and the whisper seems to blend in with the fog that has kind of blanketed this area. You can hear the bubbling of the stream as it kind of crosses over rocks and the occasional jumping of a trout for a fly that kind of collapses back into the water with a splash. It's getting late, but not late enough that it's dark yet. I, and I think there's quite quite a bright moon in the sky. And I think the three of you gather here, and I think we get the shots of the three of you gathering from, like, quite. it's like a long shot, I imagine. It's kind of through the trees from quite a distance. And the reason we get that is, is just as, like, we kind of see you all gathering from afar, we get, like, a silhouette passes in front of the camera lens. You have been noticed, but not by Briss. You've been noticed by someone else. Oh no. I don't think they're going to immediately impact the scene. They're probably not going to impact the scene at all, but like the things that go down here, I think are going to be overheard, overseen by someone. Oh no. I think you see Vens coming behind Corin and Charla, just, you know, come on, hurry, we've got to do this quick. Briss is no fool, she'll notice we've gone. Okay, so what is happening? I think the main thing that we need to get to in terms of like mechanics is your role where you refute Strail's demand. How are you talking to Strail? Or how are you trying to talk to Strail? Or are you just waiting until Strail makes an appearance? Um, I think Charlie will just wait. I don't really want to summon Strail at this point. Charlie doesn't really want to talk to Strail. You're just going to wait and see what happens. Yeah, and kind of hoping that Strail won't show up, that Strail doesn't know how days work. What if days don't work the same way for Stra for Remnants? What if that means next year? That makes sense, right? Um, yeah, if you say so. I, I think that is like a special kind of wishful thinking. Yes. Strail isn't always here, so maybe Strail forgot. Or thinks it's next Tuesday. Sure. No, that that makes a lot of sense. I can see Charla doing that. And Vens, are you are you going along the same plan, or are you going to try and do something different? I think Vens doesn't really know how Charla's feeling, or what's going through Charla's head right now. 
I think Venz is more on the lines of, hey, come on, we haven't got time. Let's get Strail out, put him back in, just carry on with whatever we were doing. You know, let's just get on with it. I think if anything, Venz would try and go down the path of telling Strail straight up, we haven't got what you you need or want from us, and that's not going to happen. Just to try and goad him out. So at this moment, Chala is pro- is gripping Corin's hand uncomfortably hard and is not okay with that plan at all. And has probably been babbling about remnants having a different time period, like a different idea of time and things like that in as normal of a way as she can muster. But Corin definitely will know that Chala's terrified and really does not want to talk to Strail. Yeah, um, I think it's maybe time for the role, which is stand firm. When you stand firm by refusing a character's demand of action, make a promise to them and roll, adding the number of bonds they have on you. On a 10+, plus, they get an additional two bonds on you, and need a concrete assurance right now to back up the promise. On a 7-9, to nine, they get an additional bond with you, and it's up to you whether or not you keep your promise later. On a miss, you manage to weasel out of their request. At the moment, we have equal, we have one bond on each other. So it'll be rolling plus one. So I guess the thing you have to do is say what your promise is. And I guess like this doesn't have to be communicated literally through like conversation. It could just be a thing that is in your head. I mean, I guess that makes sense. Estrell is kind of in my head. Yeah. Chala wants to promise to Estrell... That she is going to, she wants to help Strail however she can, but needs to know what's going on. Like, basically, give affirmation that she is on Strail's side and really wants to help Strail, but it's not unconditional. That makes sense. And I imagine just to color this well, is, is Ven's kind of continuing on with demanding a response from Strail? Yeah, 100%. He's not going to listen to Chala, really, when he when he comes to something that he thinks he knows more about. Like, if you're a kid and you get caught doing something and an adult will just talk to your parent over you and just totally ignore you? Sounds about right to me. The way I am picturing it is that Chala's kind of blocking out Ven's and trying to not necessarily talk to Strail, but leave a message for Strail? Yes. And I, I guess you don't even really want a conversation? No, don't want a response at all. Okay. Uh, sounds like it's time for a roll. So um, it'll be 2d6 plus your bonds, which is one. Let's see. That is a nine. What does that do? Okay, uh, so on a 7 to 9, they get an additional bond with you, and it's up to you whether or not you keep your promise later. Okay. So I've been thinking a lot about how Strail will react to you refuting this, because um, I think for like a number of reasons, I kind of want to zoom out and get like a little bit of Strail's motivations here, because I, I, don't, I don't think we've discovered what Strail is motivated by, and I don't want to... like 
unveil that yet. I, I think that has to come out naturally if we play, but I think with Strail as a character and like their intents, they're kind of like in a very interesting position in two ways. One of w- one of which is they're a lot weaker than they've ever been. I think they're still more powerful than Charla is and are capable of, I don't know, doing something horrendous here, but I don't think they intend to use that power. I don't think, I think that power is like a finite resource and they don't really want to use that to get what they want here. I think secondly, they have a relationship with Charla and I don't think they want to jeopardize that either. Like this is a very like tenuous position that Strail is in and it doesn't want to risk that for the sake of furthering its goals, at least not in a moment. And I think your promise to help with its goals, I think kind of ring true a little bit to it. Like I think almost Strail hasn't thought about just communicating with you about what it wants. I don't think it's really gone like, oh, cool, I can talk to human beings. I can like negotiate with them. I don't think that is kind of within its headspace. I don't think it's ever seen humans as more than a tool or a thing that lives in the world. And I think now it's kind of, I don't think it's quite there yet, but I think it's like gone, oh, maybe there's another way of doing this. Um, so what does that look like for this scene? It's, 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 it's the ice weasel and it nuzzles and then it goes away. Sure. So in my head, I feel like if this had happened where you'd managed to completely refute this bond, I think Strel's reaction is to just go quiet for a bit. And I don't think that feels true to what, what you rolled. So maybe it is, yeah, I think maybe it is like, like Strel kind of shows themselves. Um, we probably zoom back out to like the watching figure and we, and we get the ice running across the ground. Um, and everything grows cold near and around you. I, I think Corin withdraws his hand from you. I, I think like your hand gets, suddenly goes like really icy and Corin just pulls his hand away in shock. I think we also get like the slow silencing of the babbling river as kind of like a layer of ice settles upon it. I think even further away, we get a shot of the three people sat around the campfire, even like starting to shiver a little bit. There's a biting, bracing wind at their necks. And I think for you three, you, you can hear the cracking of ice as it runs along the ground. And you watch as as Strail kind of forms. Um, probably like you get this moment of like the weasel kind of running out of like the leg of Charla's trousers, maybe? And just kind of like running back up her leg and just kind of like settling on her shoulders. And I'm not sure how Strail will communicate with this with you. I don't know whether this is communicated now or later. Maybe it's now, but I think maybe it's in secret. I don't think that Strail wants to to communicate everything in front of Vens. I think Strail is probably wary of Vens. Like, it, it's half feels like it's been whispered into your ear, and it half feels as if... So in your head, I'm kind of imagining, like, this shared situation as, like, Almost like two bubbles of consciousness, like, pushed against each other. You're not, like, occupying the same space. You've each got your own space, but there is a membrane. And sometimes things can get passed between that. And I think that's what happens here. And I think Strail communicates that it's looking for something. I think you get the impression that it's definitely holding things back here. It's not communicating everything, but it's being more open with you than it ever has been. And I think it communicates... Probably through images. Like, I can imagine how this works through images. I think, I think it's almost like, it's, it's like a time lapse. 
of Strail traveling through the world, like over like thousands and thousands of miles, doing the same to like remnants and territories that it did to the Sharrow, I think. And periods of like washing over landscapes and like leaving its territory in its wake, which then just kind of falls, like goes back to the way it was, like as it leaves. And then periods of it being stuck between remnants territories that are stronger than it and kind of being frustrated and waiting so that it can move to the next place and all through this travel you get this really strong sense that is searching and looking for something something that almost feels like core to who it is as a being in this world it is looking for something that will make it be whole again and that's what it was doing in the shadow. That's why it came here. Because of the search, you get this idea that that is why it wanted these people. Like, these people aren't wholly human. I think they are still the same people and they have the same wants and desires. But they are also, in parts, envoys of Strail. And I feel like Strail wanted to send them out. Strail wanted their help in searching for the thing that it's looking for. Are you scared right now? That's what you spiked out, out in, right? I am spiked out and, and scared. I think the feeling you're getting from Strail kind of echoes the scared that you just spiked out in. I think there's obviously like a great sadness to what's happening to Strail, but I think more than that, it's like this great fear that Strail is never going to find the thing that it's looking for. And I think you sort of come back out of that moment. I think you come out of like this communication and you see... Corin and Venz are kind of stood side by side and just looking at you. Question. Yes. Um, main question is: Was it completely like related that those three are envo- are envoys of Strail? I don't think it. They are envoys. I think there's almost like this: like Strail is searching for a language that it doesn't have, and like envoys are the closest thing in your language. Maybe they're almost like. Probably like a word that is close to it is like they're indebted. I, I like that better as far as an understanding. Yeah. I mean, it's worse in so many ways, but. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but I like as far as like a child's understanding that Strail helped them find what they were looking for, which was us. And so now they have to help Strail. That makes sense. I'm so glad that Strail and Chala are still best friends. I mean, like, Corin might be upset by that, but I I think we get Corin, like, saying, are you okay? Yeah, um, I'm fine. Um, it's all, it's okay. Strail's not angry. Then where is it? What, what did it say? Why, why didn't it come out to ask for those people again? Uh, um, Strail talked to me, but... Hmm. It's a lot of information. How much do I want to tell Vince? <laughs> That's fair. So I think at this point, Chala um, grabs Corin's hands again, um, and obligatory actual weasel pokes its head out of a parka pocket and looks around now that it's warmer. It looks at Vince and just says, Strail just is looking for something. And wanted more help. I've promised to help. 
I think Venz isn't entirely satisfied with that <laughs> as an answer. No? Damn. But realises that they're pressed for time, so isn't going to push the issue right now. I think he just says, fine, but if you speak to Strail again, please tell me. We need to figure out what it wants. Come on, we we need to get back to camp. Do you remember to bring back Kindling? I would like to say that because of how spectacularly I failed the role earlier, and I know part of that was someone else saw us because we weren't as sneaky as we thought, but I'd like to say as part of that, we do not bring back Kindling. Okay. And do you, like, turn up at a different time to Vens? I don't think Chala thinks about that at all, because... I think Vens thinks about that 100%, and doesn't come <laughs> back for a little while after uh, after Chala. Okay, so like Chala and Corin probably get raised eyebrows, uh, like a little bit of suspicion, but like not much more, I imagine. No, just maybe exasperation. I think Vens actually comes back with maybe like a fistful of feathers or something, just, just in a, oh, I've missed birds. Okay, well, I think if everyone is happy, I'd maybe like to open the next scene on, like, the next day. Like, everyone goes to sleep and we kind of get the next morning and seeing a bit of, like, the camping trip and the training that happens. Camping, 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 camping! Venz is very ready to train. (laughs) What I think would be nice to come next is a scene with Briss um, that kind of just shows us what this trip is like, what kind of things Briss is training everyone in, and also... Maybe shows a little bit of the mood. Like, what is the mood like right now? Maybe if you wanted to colour the scene, Briss, and then everyone can kind of say how they're feeling or how they're acting within it. I think um, Briss hasn't spoken to Venz since the uh, discussion the day before. She's pointedly ignoring him, doesn't really know what to say, and has been a little bit cold to Corin as well. Um because she doesn't really know how to deal with people that she feels strongly about. So she's actually quite scared for Corin at the moment. She doesn't want to explain to him what the situation is, because as far as she's concerned, he doesn't know, and she wants to protect him from it as long as possible. So I think she's actually been spending a lot more time with Chala. Like, in the evening when she gets back from the little outing, I think she taught Chala how to keep the fire going and how to build it up and bank it so that it would burn overnight and they'd still have some embers in the morning to to light it. And she wakes up before everybody else and goes for a stroll around the perimeter, just checking the whole place out in the piece before the birds have even started singing. And I think she's finally... I think she's calmed down. She's back where she's comfortable, which is mostly alone. As soon as everyone wakes up, that's probably going to change. But um... And who wakes up first? It's Venz. Okay. He's an old man with a tiny bladder. So he's up. <laughs> he's up. Gotta get out of there, you know. Uh, and probably just is also trying to avoid Briss at the moment. He's not keen for any more arguments or anything. He, he knows what's out there now, so he's just doing his own thing. Plus, he's not very interested in any of the training that's going to happen today. 
he's survived in the wild his whole life, so... Is he staying around the camp, or is he just... He's going to stay around the camp. I think he's interested to see what uh, Briss teaches the kids and Belka. Sure. But I imagine you're not really saying anything to each other. No, no. I think, you know, like two adults that don't know each other very well just shuffling around a a room trying to do their jobs sort of thing. It's kind of like that. Just not talking, just getting on with it. I... So I know that there's the mechanical rules of you have to do so many rolls. But I'm not certain that Chala's still scared. So I think that's why you would roll a minus two next time. Yeah, so I think I'll roll a minus two next time. As far as like how Chala's feeling this morning, it's kind of like you've been, she's been waiting for that big event of talking to Strail for 24 hours and was really, really scared and nervous about it. And now everything's fine. Okay. Sort of. Unfortunately, that means that Chala's feeling peaceful, which is the next thing she spikes out in. So that's oh, no. great. <laughs> Unless she's mad at Briss. And that kind of depends on how Briss is acting this morning. Yeah, I think it depends on what kind of scenes we get. Yeah, so I don't... But Chala hasn't woken up scared. She's woken up ready for training. And Belka? Um, what sort of mood are you in this morning? Hey. Um, hey. I don't know, is neutral a mood... I guess. I mean, what is what is Belka interested in here? Is it just... I don't know that Belka is massively interested in anything that's happening here. I think they came almost exclusively to figure out Chala a bit. They kind of came here to follow up on their own personal investigative thread. But instead, most of what's happened has been... awkwardly standing around while people argue with each other and kids are sad. Did you notice that the people disappeared last night? What time did they go? Like, eight or nine, maybe? I want to say Belka has a really strict early bedtime and sleeps like a rock, but... <laughs> Belka likes sleep. Yeah, they just love to snooze. If if Belka hasn't moved for like ten hours, that's probably why Br- Briss is feeling so peaceful. <laughs> jingle, 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 I'm up. But yeah, did you notice, or are you just like... I'm going to say no. Okay. Because I think if they'd noticed, there's no way they wouldn't have just followed everyone. That's not how they do. That, that's a point. Was was Belka aware of the whole Strail situation? I can't actually remember, or, or did they just come along for the sake of it? I have told them a little bit about Strail. Okay, cool. But I don't think either of them know about... Strail and Charla, right? They know, like, something weird is going on. Yeah, we know something weird happened with Strail and Charla, not what the weird thing is. Okay. Um, so I think we kind of get a montage of shots. Anyone feel free to jump in here? Of, like, people slowly waking up, maybe one by one to start with, um, and then maybe Briss waking up, like, the last couple of people, and then someone cooking breakfast. Who Who is the person that leads on that? Me! God damn it, you got there before me. Is this like both of you? I mean, Because yes. I'm into that scene. Sure, let's say yes. Belka and Chal have had lots of talks about cooking. Like, that is a, a, a topic of discussion. 
I think Chala has just talked at Belko a lot about cooking, but yes, sure. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, in many of the conversations, Belko doesn't say a whole lot. But yes, no, Chala's definitely talked at Belka about cooking a lot. Yeah, I think Belka probably got up not long after Ven's and immediately went to start making breakfast so they didn't have to be involved in any of this brisk stomping around nonsense. Any of this awkwardness. I mean, awkwardness, obviously, great, love it, but Briss gets so mad at them. I've, I've got a little sort of picture in my head of Briss waking up before, like, before everybody else and going to check the fire and kind of where it's been sort of banked over with dirt. I think she kind of goes up, checks on it, makes sure it's it's, it's got some really good embers going, maybe chucks in a couple of twigs before she goes off on the walk. And then when she gets back, she wakes Charla up, gets her to go check on the fire, sort of like just points at the fire and Charla goes over and finds that it's still glowing, gets quite excited about it, I think. Definitely. You know, it's, this is something that, that Briss had taught her and she's just making sure that it's it's gone well before she checks it, sort of thing. Imagining like, yeah, like Charla walks over and then like Belka just comes along with a big pot ready to cook. No, Belka comes along with just a big armful of potatoes. They're just going straight in there. Nice. Straight in the fire. Breakfast potatoes. <gasps> Yum. What are you making? Breakfast. What's for breakfast? Well, there are potatoes. End of breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> but what are we going to do with the potatoes? Eat them. Chala brings out her cookbook and shows the many pages of breakfast potatoes. But which breakfast potatoes? Pelka is going to laugh at her a little bit. Um, I think extract a small, reasonably ornate little wooden box from somewhere within their clothing. <gasps> Open it up. And inside is just salt. I can't wait to have boiled potatoes for breakfast. <laughs> These aren't boiled They're potatoes. Fire potato campfire potatoes. Just you cook them in the ashes and <laughs> Okay, that's fine, but also just Crispy imagine and the most bland potato porridge possible. <laughs> A potato porridge, oh no. Uh, the thing that I was imagining was like Charla showing Belka the cookbook and Belka just be like, those are dead breakfasts. <laughs> <laughs> no, recipes are fine because it's not Okay I mean, I guess food blogging would be a questionable yeah. area Because it's a story But Yeah, recipes are fine as long as you don't put like anything before it You just yeah. get straight to, the, straight to the cooking Only the recipe is okay Well, I imagine these have These are the recipes plus information on how to find the ingredients I think to stop um, Chala from trying to rope them into constructing some sort of eight-course elaborate breakfast. Belkwee's going to show her one that they put in the fire last night that's kind of still there in the embers and open it up. And as they kind of, like, pierce their thumbs through the crunchy skin and tear it apart inside, it's all purple. So they're going to hope that's interesting enough to give them some reprieve. That's interesting enough. That is cool. Was it... Was it always purple? They grow this way. So the fire didn't turn it purple. I can't prove that it didn't. I've never heard of the fire turning it purple before. Chala looks through her cookbook. 
trying to see if it has ever been documented in the cookbook of fire turning potatoes purple. And then Chala looks through the cookbook to find something to make to go with the potatoes. What would go well with potatoes? Eggs? I'd like to I'd like to know how you A have eggs considering you've got no no animals and also brought them yes. camping with you. I was going to say I assume Chala is soft talking to herself while she's doing this and Falco would just be like <laughs> what eggs? Where would we get these? Nests? Come on, Vince Vin, has got some eggs, right? Not for Briss. Is that the first training of the day? Is it like Vens and Briss teaching the children how to find eggs? We're going on an egg hunt. Yes, yes, it is, because Chala now decides this. Um, awesome. And kind of yells towards Belka that she's going to make more breakfast to go with the purple potatoes of magicalness. And then runs over to the really awkward Vens and Briss duo. We're not standing anywhere near each other. That's fine. Charlotte's loud. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> and it runs towards them. It's Briss, Vens, I need help. I need to find eggs so we can have them for breakfast. And then I need to find this, 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 and this. But I know how to find those, but I don't know how to find eggs. Vens, you know all about eggs and birds. And, and Briss, you know how to find things. Belka is mouthing, I'm sorry. <laughs> at Vens. Wait, just at Vens? Yeah, I feel like Briss has brought a lot of stuff on herself. <laughs> but yes, that happens. I think Vens just kind of like humbly nods and says, well, the important thing to do is, and starts off in like a long, drawn out <laughs> um, monologue about how easy it is to find birds once you know where their tracks are and once you see the feathers and the six in the trees. Blah, 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 blah. By the time Vens is done, Belka has walked over with cooked potatoes for everyone. Yep. And Bruce is coming back with some eggs. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, I think you all like eat your breakfast and we kind of move on, I think, and move on from your campsite and head further into Senya, like exploring more of it, like Along the path that Briss has probably scouted before, and I think Briss is probably very knowingly leading them where she feels is safe, and there are going to be no surprises. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've already checked this whole area out. I know exactly where we're going. And yeah, so what, what sort of things are you doing as you go along the way? What sort of things are you teaching? What sort of things are you doing? Um, I'm basically pointing out all the, all the ways to survive so um pointing at like the way the birds are flying first thing in the morning overhead and how that shows that they're they're probably coming from somewhere near water because they like to sleep somewhere somewhere they can drink and pointing out roots that can be eaten and uh leaves that can be used in poultices and all that kind of thing Nice. Just basically pointing stuff out and you know cutting things off, rubbing rubbing, rubbing leaves between my fingers and passing them over to Chala and Corin, demonstrating what they're for and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Can I colour this a little bit? Definitely. Uh, yeah, I think some of the things you point out is um, I I don't know whether you yourself would have names for these, but like I'm just going to give an overview. Um, there is the Bishop Tree, or like it's commonly known as the Bishop's Tree, which is common through the landscape. 
It grows quite short and it's somewhat spindly and is often home to the twisting vines of ivy that kind of lattice across the landscape. And throughout most of the year, they have like huge trailing leaves, heavy with seed pods. And although the food contained inside, although the fruit contained inside isn't very nice, like they are very filling. They're basically like a very filling but joyless meal. I think probably like a lot of the things in this territory, I don't think there's a lot of flavour here. Like there's still food, but it's kind of, do you know when you're really sad and you eat something and it's kind of tasteless and joyless? I think all of the food here reflects that. Um, I think you also point out some of the small rodents that dart through the undergrowth as you pass. There's a creature called a shucker, which have beaks and long tongues, and they're like scavengers that feed on bone marrow from both animals that have died and been left by predators, and also graves that they manage to kind of burst inside. I think you also point out, and maybe you're like a little bit hesitant to, but you point out the way that there's a kind of fly that kind of darts around. And I think it like bothers you all a little bit in the same way that like a mosquito or a midge would. Um, but I think there's maybe like a thing where you manage to like catch one and show one to everyone. They don't have like a proboscis to break skin. The proboscis kind of ends in a flat plate. And if you to watch it at your skin, it would draw like thin, narrow, shining pieces of spirit from a target rather than blood. And I think you, you point out the way that they flock around certain trees. And as you say that, you realise that they're the same trees that Corin pointed out to you earlier as, like, making noise. I think that just kind of, like, cuts you from your description. I think um, I, got a, I got a new move a while back that I haven't had a chance to use yet. I think this might be a fun time to do it. Sure. So I got a thing called Survivalist. And I think somewhere along the way, there's... I think like a waterfall. So the the move survivalist, uh, when you declare a feature of the wilderness around you, roll on a 10 plus it's there, as you described it. On a 7 to 9 it's there, but different, changed or dangerous to get to. Okay. So I think off the path a ways, like the, the place we're heading for is maybe a lake. Um, somewhere that's very nice and distinctive that we're planning to meet up with the rest of the caravan. But because we're, we're making good time, um, Briss decides to make a little detour to this waterfall that she's found. It's not very high, but it's as it as it kind of pours over the the rocks above. When she found it before, it was making like a rainbow in the, the in the spray, and she sort of remembers this. Didn't really pay much attention to it the first time, but with uh, Corin and Chala sort of taking so much joy in all of the the colours and the the interesting things that they're going past she sort of remembers this and realises that they probably quite enjoy it Okay. Um, and decides to go looking for this uh, this waterfall. And how are you feeling right now? Um, still peaceful, I think. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And it's probably like a sense of you doing a thing that's nice for everyone else. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so I rolled a nine, actually. So um, the thing is there, but it's different, changed, or dangerous to get to. This is kind of what I was hoping for. Nice. Um, yeah, I think I've got a good idea for this one. Awesome. So, I think the waterfall itself is as you described. Um, did you want to go over the description a little bit? So, I think, like I say, it's not especially high waterfall. It's not like 
it's not going to be dangerous, but it's it's tall enough and it comes out through some rocks perhaps quite quickly. So it sort of really bursts out uh, where, where it appears um, and it, it lands on some some sort of jagged rocks and just kicks up this big cloud of spray, which is how how you get the, the, the rainbow from the sun coming in through the trees above. And the ground around is all covered in like bright moss. Yeah, and I think it's entirely as you remembered it. Other than the fact that as you walk out from like the tree line into the clearing around this like you say it's a like a lake or a river? I think yeah, I think uh like there's a pool below these rocks that that reforms back into a river. Sure. Um so I think as you like exit like the trees that kind of surround this pool, um you kind of walk walk out and then you notice that you're not alone. I think you're not alone in two different ways. Um, so the first is that there are a group of animals here. They're all alongside the edges of the pools, kind of like feeding on the moss that is growing on the rocks. And these animals are all the same. Um, they are part of a species called the Ocant. So they are like probably around the size of like horses, but like a little bit smaller and lower to the ground. But they look like moths. There are species of ground-dwelling moths, and their residual wings have transformed into powerful limbs that they use for hunting, climbing, and courtship displays. And I think the people in this area train them to be ridden. And I think at the minute they're, they're being led by their owner, um, who is also here, has quite a broad like frame um, that with skin that reveals a lifetime of working under the sun. Scars and burns trace across their amber skin. Most of them are from the Ocant that they train. They have a hard stare and a warm smile, and they use both to great effect. They're wearing uh, sort of like well-made clothes that are a mixture of like cloth and textile and like leathers. Um, and I think they've got like quite a square face with like a really chiseled jaw, I imagine, uh, that's, that's got, maybe got like a little bit of an underbite. And then from the top of their head, they've got like leaves growing. They're a bit like oxalis leaves, um, which seem to react to the sun and their emotions. And they look up as you're there and like kind of give you like a hard, weary stare. And I think around them they've maybe got like five or six of the creatures, the Ocant. Uh What do you do? Um, I think Briss resists putting her hand on the hilt of her sword just about. Sort of deliberately steps in front of the of the rest of the group. How far are we away? I think like like maybe twenty meters, something like that. Like you're basically stood on opposite banks of the pool. I don't think it's a big pool, but I think it would like stop anyone like charging across it, for example. I think uh, Briss is going to sort of call out and say, uh, "Hello, hello." Um, you see Tiller's like stance kind of soften a little bit um hi uh you're the first local we've met it's a quiet land do you know how to get to damn it what's the city eulogy can you can you point us towards eulogy i like to think that that was all in character (laughs) (laughs) i think ben is probably looking super smug as well just being like eulogy I think, uh, yeah, like, Tiller sort of, like, nods and walks closer to the edge of the pool. 
Sure. My place is just a little ways away from there. Um, um. Who are you all? Oh, I'm, I'm Charla. I, um, are, are the animals friendly? Charla, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Uh, Charla is currently hopping on one foot to the other foot, trying to decide whether they're just to take off her parka and swim over, but is also trying to be polite. Please absolutely do it. I think Briss notices the restlessness and sort of calls across. Um, your creatures, are they, uh, are they friendly? Because I, I, can't, I can't hold her back for much longer. They're fine as long as you don't spook them. Do you hear that, Charla? Yes, I hear them. But I wouldn't want to get that lovely park away. If you, if you want to get over, there's a ford just at the top of the waterfall. Do you, do you want me to hold the parker? Belka is already helping Chala take the parker off. <laughs> <laughs> is everyone going across? Um. Yeah, I'm, I'm, Avenz is slowly plodding his way up to the ford. Sure. Is everyone else doing the ford or is anyone else swimming? Or waiting? I'm going to swim with Chala. I'm not going to yeah. let her go across and then go out of sight. It will be fine. Corin, up to you. Don't worry, Uncle Vans will take care of Corin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to walk through the water. So is there a moment where Chala turns to Belka and hands them the... Because they've got the parka and hands them, will you, will you hold the, the, the cookbook and this weasel? I will hold the parka in one hand and the cookbook in the other and then lower right down so that the weasel can climb on my horns. Yes. I feel like also Fenrir then looks at you. And then stay lowered so Fenrir can climb up for a piggyback. <laughs> this is perfect. Fenrir like and the weasels like are definitely just like getting along on like the top of your head basically. <laughs> oh amazing. I love it so much. You have the best accessories. <laughs> I feel fantastic. I also <laughs> wanna put a, a pin in. I'd like to do a move when there is a point in the scene. Okay, no, I think this is a good point. Oh, okay, that's cool, okay. Because I have a new move, which is these objects hold stories where I can handle or examine something interesting and find out stuff about it. And also, now I have Chala's Parker. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. This seems like a good time to that's do it, awesome. yeah, let's do it. Oh my god, I was hoping I, would have to, I wouldn't have to convince you to swim over there, I'm so glad you did it by yourself. Just because you wanted to hold Charles Parker? Yeah. Oh, it takes so much convincing. <laughs> okay, so um, I am feeling fairly joyful, I think. Because this seems like quite a nice scene. We've met a new friend. I'm covered in weasels. What's not to enjoy? <laughs> nice. Um, I think Charla definitely gave Belka a hug. Because it was Aww. just so overjoyed with it, how it's just fantastic. So gave Belka a hug before going to swim. Was it like one of those like really brief, really tight squeezes? Yes. Nice. Yeah, let's go for joyful then. So whenever you handle or examine something interesting, roll on a 10 plus hold 3, on a 7 to 9 hold 1, spend hold to ask questions. We'll go through them after. I rolled so bad. What did you roll? I rolled a 2. Oh no. So um, I'm not asking anything. Uh, so, you, so you mark XP. Hooray. Um, no, I, I think you, you can ask one question if you want. It's just something bad is also going to happen. Okay. So which question would you like to ask? Who handled this before me? What is its history? What strong emotions have recently been near this? What words have been said recently nearby this? What has been done recently with or to this? 
or what's wrong with this and how might I fix it? So my question before, or that I should have asked before I did this move, I guess, is what counts as recently? It's up to you. What, what do you want to count as recently, I guess, if you're asking that question? I guess just the last few days since Charla's been really shifty and started hanging out with Vens oh. for some reason. Oh. So obviously, Charla, feel free to jump in here as well. But like, I think very obviously since you spiked, like the strong emotion you get from this is like fear. Yes. There's a lot of scared. I think it's almost like two kinds of scared, right? Like there is obviously Charla's fear, but I think there's like something for Strayer, like this long fear of not finding the thing. So there is, there's child fear and cavernous unknowable fear. Yes, both of those. Neat. Okay, well that's my Parker investigations done, thank you. I will forward okay. across the pond with everyone else. Let me just work out the consequence. <laughs> oh yeah, a consequence. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that thing. Um... <laughs> I'm just trying to think of something interesting here, because I don't really want to disrupt this scene too much. Because I think it's interesting to see the scene play out as it is. I think we get I think we get another shot off screen. Where Venz has crossed the the waterfall. Um I think we get another like long shot, another long shot of some figures foregrounded. Um I think they're still in silhouette, but I think instead of just the one figure, there are a couple this time. I think three of them. Um and I think from the silhouettes this time, we can see that they appear to be wearing armour. They seem to have, like, uh, shoulder pauldrons, and they seem to be wearing helmets that come up to, like, a tall fringe in the middle. Um, yeah, I think that I think that's the image that we get. And then we're back in the scene. Okay, so we didn't see them. They're just there. No, you didn't see them. Um, so, yeah. I think you will make it across the waterfall. Who is the person that you think is, like, appears to be the leader here? I, th- I think it might be Briss. Okay. As you all cross the pool and the waterfall, uh, Tiller looks around at you all. And I think, like, looks between the three adults here, like, unsure as to who to address, mainly. So, who did you say you all were? We're refugees from the Sharrow. We're just looking for somewhere safe. That's from the West, right? That's right. Just you six? What happened? There are more of us. Long story. A long story? Why don't you come come to my farm? I can I can give you some food, something to drink, and you can you can tell me all about it. I I can show you into eulogy after. Chala has the largest eyes of excitement looking at Briss, and she will use the bonds that she has to be able to go to this farm and ride this oxent. Ockent. Ockent. Briss knows. <laughs> Chala's not making and it very isn't even subtle. going to try. Best camping trip ever. Yes, we, we'd, be, we'd be very very grateful. Um, we have to meet up with our people tomorrow, but you're very kind. We'll happily take you up on this. I think, like, Chilla nods and says, you can stay the night. I'd advise le- against letting Belka cook any food, though. You just had the best jacket potatoes of your life. I made you delicious jacket potatoes, and this is how you treat me. They were just potatoes. They were just Have you ever like had a campfire potatoes? potato, Steve? They're very good. They're terrible. <laughs> what? Well, that's a questionable judgment on your part, isn't it? <laughs> and the end of the podcast. This is, yeah, as it breaks out into violence. No, do you know what? Belka is going to silently take out a leftover delicious roasted salted potato and hand it to Tiller as a gesture of goodwill. <laughs> awesome. I think Tiller like, looks at it and goes, Ah, oh, campfire potatoes. 
I love them. And then just like starts like, just like splits one open with their like hands and then just like sort of like shoves it into their face a little bit. Well, I have a new best friend. And then like remembers that they've got company and like holds it in one hand and then goes, I'm Tiller, by the way. And like, I guess shakes Belka's hand first. Definitely. Yes, good. And like looks at you all for your names, basically. Potato pals. I think like Tiller's hand is still slightly potatoey, but like their handshake is like a warm hug. Do you know when someone's handshake is very firm, but like not overly, like they're not being aggressive with it, it's just very welcoming? It's that. Listen, uh, let me get these, uh, these things all back together and, and be on our way. Can we ride them? Sure. Looks at you, smiles, and then looks at, like, uh, Femre and Corin and says, do you all want to ride? Yes. I think, like, Corin is maybe, like, a bit on the edge. Are you, are you going to let Corin ride, Briss? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think Briss might actually kind of, like, shove him forward a little bit. If he, if he hesitates. Okay. Chala, for one moment, is happier with Briss. See, all you have to do is ride dangerous animals, right? <laughs> apparently, apparently that's how you get through to kids. Yeah. <laughs> Briss is learning so much. Uh, Tiller looks at, like, uh, probably Briss, uh, probably, like, all three of you, because, like, Tiller will be, like, leading and, like, herding, I imagine, but, like, looks at the three of you and goes, are you all happy to, to guide the reins? And, like, hands each of you some, like, reins. Uh, and I think, like, we leave on a scene of of the six Ockant kind of being led out of out of this, like, glade with the waterfall and, like, from the pool. Um, Tiller sort of alternating from being, like, at the back and the front, herding the creatures to towards their home. Um, and I imagine Briss leading, holding the reins of the Ockant with... Corin on, Ven's leading the one with Chalaron, and Belka probably leading Femir, and the creatures just slowly disappear into the woods. And we get a glimpse of, maybe like half an hour later, three figures slowly descending down the waterfall, looking at your tracks.